Born in 1978 to Dawn and Antonio, an Italian tailor who moved to SA in his early 20s, our next guest grew up in Goodwood in Cape Town. He left school in Standard 8 and went to college to study plumbing. At 21 years old, he started as a cash commodities trader. And in 2005, he started CJS Securities with his late partner, Swiki. They set out to prove to all the naysayers that they could take on the often boys club old school industry. And in the last five years, CJS has been in the top two brokers in commodities and top five brokers in FX, according to the Spire Awards. That is correct. People who know him would describe him as old school values with new school edge, a realist, super intellectual and deep, extremely passionate about what he does, and dad to two boys. Please help us welcome Giancarlo Filomeno. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful intro. <laughs> Thank you. So welcome. Welcome to How Low You Can Go. We're going to go low. Good. We want all the juice. So uh, how low can you go uh, is obviously a lot for us. It's about the biggest mistakes. And we always believe that when people tell their successful stories, um, the, the in-between part is really where the story lies and where the lessons, lessons are supposed to be learned. So this is about your biggest mistakes and your failures and how you've turned that around or how you've used it uh, to better your business. On a daily basis, you're dealing with the markets, which is essentially money. Yes. And we all know money can show the real side of people, the highs and lows of our fellow human beings. So you not only have to deal with the high stakes of people or businesses' money, but also the emotional side of what comes with that on a day-to-day -day basis. And there are so many emotions. But... Traditionally, traders and brokers are seen as sort of these insensitive, hard-shelled human beings. So tell us what the reality is like and how close is it really to the Wolf, wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> uh, I think that um, when you get into the markets, so I personally got in because in 1988 I watched a movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy called Trading Places where they ended up trading fresh concentrated orange juice futures. They also traded corn, gold, and what have you. And um, I was 10 years old, and I thought to myself, this is what I want to do with my life. And just like any other industry, I suppose, looking in as opposed to looking out are two very different things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you're born to be in the markets. It's not something you do. It's not something you just do for a job. It's a career. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. Um, how can I put this? It is definitely a private club. It's a, it's a private club. Strangely enough, you'll find that a lot of traders, brokers like to hang out together because we honestly pretty much have nothing else to talk about other than the markets. <laughs> <laughs> like, every once in a while we talk about hunting or rugby or whatever it is. Or we'll go to the rugby and then we'll talk about the markets at the rugby. <laughs> you know? um, but because there's news coming out all the time, I mean, markets are a living thing. You know, 
Um, just before I came here now, you'll see the Reserve Bank just cut interest rates with another 50 basis points. I mean, just to give you an idea, this morning I walked in, the rand was at 18 rand to the dollar. It's now at uh, 7 rand and 55 cents to the dollar. 17 rand, excuse me, and 55 cents. I was cents like, 7 rand? Yeah, I wish yeah, it was. I missed that. But it's truly, it's my calling. Mm. It's my calling. It's what I love. Um, I mean, I read an article this morning about somebody planning for retirement. I don't know what retirement is. I'll work till I die. I'll know what's happening in the markets till I die. It's just um, how it is. So tell me also, uh, in, the, um, in the space that you are in, so you are where you are, as the intro said, um, and we're going to hear a lot of interesting stories I'm hoping for. But let's go a little bit into your biggest failure. Um, what was the biggest mistake you made in business um, and how and what have you learned from that and how has that applied to you today? Because it's pretty clear you're pretty successful at this stage in your career and I can't imagine that that's come without no mistakes. Without no, any. first of all I'd like to go on the record as saying I've made many mistakes, many, many mistakes. But if I had to put it in a nutshell for you what markets are and what trading is, it's actually a journey of discovery of oneself. Because when it comes to money, the real human comes out of us. Mm. Yeah. You know, when you make money, you're bulletproof. Yeah. You, you are the best. We refer to it as the God complex. We all get it. And when we lose money, we become victims. It's somebody else's fault. Something went down, something happened, and so on and so forth. So what I've learned out of the markets is, is to listen to myself. So the biggest failure I would like to tell you about today, when we started our business back in 2005, uh, we had a deep desire to prove everybody wrong because they said we never could. Um, I had the opportunity to go to an institution. My ex-business partner, or my late business partner rather, had an opportunity to go work at an institution and we didn't. And all our colleagues that were working at institutions were making vastly greater sums of money than we were at the time. But we had a plan. We realized you've got to go five years through a new business, a startup, and so on and so forth. So in the beginning, we were willing to take on anybody. So without mentioning any names, obviously, uh, we took on this one client, and uh, it was fairly lucrative for us. But in the back of my mind, I always had my suspicions. I really just had my suspicions. And it was like a dog you owned. You quite liked the dog, but you knew the dog would bite you one day. Mm. And it was a few years later, um, the circumstances shall remain hidden. But one day, he took us for a vast sum of money. It was equal to probably almost a whole year's worth of revenue. Um, we were lucky that we had reserves to carry us through. But it was on that day that I realized the biggest mistake I had ever made in my business was not listening to myself. Your gut. Not listening to myself. I am designed to protect myself. My instinct is designed to protect me. And I just saw the money. So what I realized post that is, is that I always thought a business was 80% sales and 20% admin. I came to realize that admin and compliance are a massive part of a business, and they're just as important pillar as anything else. 
because it's part of being the weakest link in the chain. We also then changed our strategy from having quality clients as opposed to having quantity to just make numbers meet. I also realized not to take myself so seriously and also to realize that success is irrelevant. It's relative, excuse me, not relevant. Success is relative. I can push and push and push, but do I eventually want to end up like the Wolf of Wall Street? Mm. If I made $20 million, would I feel great? Does making 200 feel better than 20 and so on and so forth? So I might seem ironic in this conversation, and I'm actually a walking oxymoron, but at the same time, to quote Gordon Gecko, greed is good, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. Um, take me back to that day, though. How... What happened? How did you find out about so, it? And did you instantly feel like that's it? It's done. The business it, is when done. It, when it was going through the process, I knew exactly what was going on. And I was indecisive. I could have cut that loss immediately. And I, I would have been 20% of what it was per se. I didn't. Um, also, as I say, on a compliance basis, I wasn't really sure what I was and wasn't allowed to do. And if I had done it and the market had turned around and gone in the gentleman's favor, he could have maybe come and sued me. Okay. Um, again, I didn't listen to my own instinct, you know. Mm. And post that, I just decided to change everything, and we did. It was gut-wrenching. Mm. Um, we literally became poorer. But we changed everything, and I think that was a very big turning point for us as a company on what we needed to focus on and how we needed to get there. So in terms of the biggest mistake I've ever made is, is that it nearly cost me my business. It didn't, thank God. But I've listened and learned to trust myself. Trust your instincts. It's the most important thing you have. It really is. And do you think like the, what comes to mind is it sort of was – it was like the end of your hustler era and the beginning of a more professional... Exactly. Because, you know, in our industry, if you... Um, so we, we call them brokerage shops. We call them shops. So we were initially, when we started up, a bucket shop. <laughs> Literally, that, that's what they call you, a bucket shop, you know. Okay. We were a bucket shop until we elevated ourselves into not being a bucket shop anymore, you know. Um, it was a really good thing. I'm not going to lie to you. I did think it was the end of the world. I went home that night, had a Radox bath, popped 20 candles around myself, found my business partner. I said to him, Brew, it's over. He said to me, don't worry. Let's meet at the Wimpy tomorrow morning for breakfast. So we <laughs> went to the Wimpy for breakfast. And he said to me, listen, yeah, this is how much cash we have. This is the plan. This is what we have to do. This is how we tighten the ship up. This is how we're going to go forward. Let's do it. And I said, okay, I bought in immediately to the plan. Did it. Never looked back. And when you, um, so, so what's very interesting there for me is that what we deal a lot with and what we also see in clients is that I always try and explain to them that self-employed versus owning a business is two very different things. Do you think that that was a moment that you went from a self-employed to creating a business? 100%, without a doubt. Yeah, and, 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 and that's vitally important. Also, clients listening and, and people listening, what we see a lot, um, Giancarlo, is that a lot of clients have 60 or 70 or 80% of their business tied into one client. Sure. Um, and, you know, that's a controlling… Um, yeah, it's concentration risk. Eh? That's exactly it. And, you know, I, I, I also what you said there, a little bit about happier on, you know, making 100, 100 that rand versus, you know, $20 million. And I'm sure there is a… a, a 
a certain delight that comes with the difference in those two. But what do you mean when you say that? Um, what I'm, when is enough? And so, yeah, so sorry. the young me would have said more. Yeah. You know, the young me would have said more. The me right now says happiness is enough. Freedom is enough. So people like money for different reasons. Some people like it for power. Personally, for me, I like it for freedom. It's a means to an end. Yeah. I like it for freedom. So one of the things that we changed um, post that, so there's a gentleman who's actually like a mentor to me. And many years ago, he kept on saying to me, no, he's got a house in Spain, I must come on holiday with him and whatever. And I'd say, like, I really don't have time, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. So he sat me down one day and he said to me, you, my son, are never going to make money. And I was shocked. Like, he must have paused five seconds between words, but that five seconds, the longest five seconds of my life, there's somebody I'd revered and looked up to, and I was like, I'm not going to make money. What are you talking about? I thought you were proud of me. And he said, if you don't stop working for money, you're never going to make money. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he says, why did you get into this industry in the first place? And I gave him the story and how much I love it and so on and so forth. And he said, yes, start working for the love of what you do again. Money will fall into place all by itself. He said, your clients will see the passion that you have for what you do, and you will gather a following. And that's one of the things that I did. There's a lesson in that for me. As we, you know, Plumbing, then at 21 have a business, then at 25 start a business, then nearly losing the business entirely. And today, you know, uh, you sit here as a, as a top five broker on the FX uh, and top two broker in the commodities. What made you just, I mean, was it the work that you guys performed? Is it the way that you handled the clients? Is it the, the tech that you guys have introduced or, or used? What, is it your gut and your experience? What made you break through that, that wall into this exclusive club? Um, we were actually very, very, very fortunate. Um, there was a brand new multinational that had started up in the market and we had no multinational clients at the time. And one of the very first employees there, I'd worked with him at a previous company. He actually taught me a hell of a lot. And uh, he gave me a call one day and he said, uh, would you like our account? And I said, no, I wouldn't like your account. I'd love your account. So we raced over there, sat down, had a quick meeting with them, thrashed the costs out, and away we went. And what happened was, because the market now knew we had one set client, a lot of other uh, big companies and multinationals started trading through us because they felt they could hide because everybody would think it was the very first one and not another one. Okay. And then what you start doing post that is, is that you start finding liquidity in the market because you, you know, it's like get that one big client and the rest will follow, you know, build yeah. it, they'll come, et cetera, et cetera. And that's pretty much what happened to us. And then we went and listened to clients and, uh, you know, asked them what they want and what their needs were. And then we just try to fulfill that. But I think as – look, we are getting into the tech space uh, going down that route. But like a very good friend of mine, he always said to me, if you build anything, build something that's going to help somebody. And that's the best way to make money out of something. And so, solve a problem. Problem solve. Actually, yeah. you know, help somebody. I mean, he's done it his whole life. And I went and I thought about it. And we actually just try to help clients um, with research, with – 
finding out what's happening in the market. Sometimes they can't always speak to everybody else. Um, we deliver advice. And by the way, if I was that good, I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd be with my mate Tarama Bromovich on his yacht right now. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? I mean, four ways, baby. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, we deliver it. And uh, there must be value to what we do, the fact that we're still around. But, you know, you cannot lie on your laurels. Um, I do think that I'm currently in an industry that is changing rapidly at a rapid rate of knots. And I do believe that uh, we have to up our game significantly and create a more lasting competitive edge. So do you think in the beginning you guys looked at the industry, you looked at some of the mistakes that are being made, some of the um, um, shortcomings within the industry, and do you, did you just do that more effectively? No. So what I would be, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy you say this, so originally um, the company in our space that's our biggest competitor we really just looked at them and saw what they were doing and tried to model ourselves on that, to be very honest with you. I mean, I've even, I've even said to one of their directors um, when I've seen them at the Spire Awards and I said to them, uh, you know, we modeled ourselves on you. We, we really did. We've always known that we will never recreate the wheel. We're not um, brilliant at thinking up new ideas, but we're very, very good at taking existing ones and changing those. Well, that's very. I I think it's something that entrepreneurs, uh, managers, um, and everybody needs to listen to because we almost feel like if you don't pioneer something, I'm not. Re we we're not in that space. We just look at what 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 is what is happening in the market. Is it a market that's feasible? How, how do you then change that market to either get market share or let yourself stand out and then chase that reality? And I think that a lot of times we think you know if you're not a pioneer and everybody used this word. I'm, I look up to buccaneers that looked at an industry and said it can be done more effectively, it's more I, efficiently. I couldn't agree with you more. Look, I think the thing is is that there's only one iPod and so on and so forth. What, what do they call the things around the shoelaces? Flugel binders. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nobody going <laughs> to create any new flugel binders. <laughs> but, but the moral of the story is is that you, know, you, you do get some people that are really, really good at innovation and and, and discovering new things. But then you get other people that'll take existing ideas and just be better at it. And I think the main thing about what I've noticed is I've noticed a lot of smart people trying to be what they're not. It seems like the human condition has an urge to be really good at what they're not. They don't actually want what they have. They want something else. Where I live along the lines of be really good at what you are. You know? Agree. Be really good at what you are. They, there's a, there's a space for everybody. It's, I mean, to use a rugby analogy, it's, it's a tight head needs to scrum. You yeah. know, he's not kicking to poles. He's not playing fly off, but the fly off mustn't go scrum either. Yeah. You know, and that's it. And that's why it's called a team. Yeah. No, it's important, you know, and in leadership, you know, somebody asked me a question the other day, can everybody, anybody be an entrepreneur? And I said, no. Um, not everybody liked that question, but I said that the world has to have doers as well. Um, it's the world dynamics that I, d I think everybody has an entrepreneurial capability, but I don't think anybody can just become an entrepreneur and see it through it. There's a certain mindset to it, and especially now in times like this, it comes so much to shine about it's not always a great road to be an entrepreneur. Um, and in times like this, it shows it so much more. Um, I don't know if you agree with that. I think all our moms and dads lied to us. When you grew up and they said, Ah, oh, Albert, Obi, you can be anything you want to be. 
where they actually should have turned around and said to us, listen, my boy, take a look at what you're good at, then go focus on that. Yeah, and make, make it your craft. 100%. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that a practical type of advice should have been more at school as well. It's it's like you just said your craft. Think about this, right? Everything is machine made. Everything stamped. Uh, you mentioned my father being a tailor. Nobody does handmade suits anymore. Well, you, you can pick them up for five thousand dollars in Rome if you want. But what I'm trying to get at is is that everything's pressed in a factory in China and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, you know, what's that about? Yeah. Nobody even reads the news anymore. We all just read Twitter headlines. They yeah. become enraged. Yeah. Nobody does research anymore. Yeah. I mean, come on, people. Yeah. Come on, people. Get over yourselves. No, I, I, I spoke to the team this morning about if you look at some of the stuff that's going on social media, and then if you go and do research about it, it's a four-year-old headline. It's a five-year-old headline that people try and create fear um, and all sorts of unwanted attention. Now, uh, the human element, Ne, the... So if you look at the industry, you say it was pre-established. We know that. You looked at the industry, you see how you could innovate and, and do things differently. Back then, in the beginning, you weren't necessarily in a tech space. So am I, am I correct to assume that one of the biggest differences was the human element in, in the, your business? 100%. Um, look, you have globally, probably for the last, I would say, 12 is well in Ceph, I'd say from let's say 2009 in a big way we've had a major influx of algorithms in the market um, where coders go and code I mean you have things from news algorithms you'll find uh, they look for headlines and if, if there's a certain word in their headline and it says cut or it says buy or whatever it is these algorithms will sell they'll buy or they'll do what they want I mean they are cold killing machines literally but having said that you can't take the human element out of it in the greater scheme of things okay at the same time though one has to turn around and say what does a machine have that humans don't and a machine is speed. emotionless oh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah no speed 100 yeah. but i mean execution wise speed you, you you spot on but it's there's no emotion yeah there's no emotion. I mean, think about the time you wanted to do something. You start a business, buy some shares or whatever the case may be. And then you just never did it because you overthought it and whatever. Yeah. But if you had plugged it into a machine yeah. and said, that's a great idea, and you walked away and you came home tonight, oh, by the way, you now own you know, 50,000 sassels at 28 Rand is now trading at 83 Rand. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. But you were there because the two overriding emotions are greed and fear yeah so do you still exist do brokers still exist brokers brokers do still exist um i think that the industry itself has changed a hell of a lot um they do still exist but the thing is is that the human element you can't take out because the guys trading the markets are still human even though a lot of them program machines but they're human and so, for example, um, you'll find a guy who's at a hedge fund. Let's say he's doing fixed income, which is bond markets and rates and that type of thing. And he's inundated with information. He gets the top five bank report. He gets international bank reports. You know, he's almost like analysis paralysis when he, when, when he reads things. I'll go out on a Thursday night with some of, the, some of the fixed income dealers from one of the banks or whatever the case may be. 
and we'll be sitting there having a couple of beers, and they'll actually just mention something to me that's just struck a chord. Yeah. And I'll go back and tell my clients, like, wow, yeah, I didn't think of that aspect of it. No machine will ever be able to pick that up. Yeah, the gut. You can't take out the human element. Although it can obviously also be a bad thing in markets because 100%. Spe speculation. 100%. No, 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 you are, you, you're 100% right. But what I'm trying to get at is, is that although you can minimize the human element, yes. you can't take it out completely. completely. It's impossible because if the, if, if the algos and the machines are right all the time, mathematicians around the world would be retired. So leadership going forward. We, we believe in influence over attention um, in our business. If you don't mind just taking a moment on leadership um, in your own business and what do you think leadership forward and, and do you think influence over attention is going to be, become something that we need to focus on more? Firstly, I'd like to say I think that COVID-19 has given everybody a massive wake-up call. Um, the time for victimhood is over. Be grateful for what you have more than ever. And own anything you've done. Own your good decisions, your bad decisions. Own it. Own it all. Own it all. You have to own it all. In terms of leadership, um, everybody's different. But I believe in leading through actions as opposed to words. But everybody's got to focus because the reality is, is that you could bat your eyelid and not have a business anymore. Yeah. You could bat your eyelid and not have job anymore the amount of 40 percent pay cuts that i've heard going through the market and that i actually know of mm. um that range from engineers through uh you know i mean the industries are it's it's been relentless and i think the really sad part about that is is that nobody truly knows what the knock-on effects eventually are going to be to the economy as a whole i mean you can probably break it down i mean i think once this is all over we are going to have a bout of revenge shopping like you've never seen in your life I think people are going to go to malls and max out credit cards and retailers are going to have 50%. I mean, I bought a leather jacket the other day half price. I couldn't believe my luck. And I think you're going to have a big bar to that. And I think when that's over, I think a lot of reality is going to set in about what's going down. So if I had to look forward, I'd say like September, October. Um, but adapt, 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 adapt. The biggest thing is if I go back to the point that I made earlier is about lying to myself. I think the human race is quite in denial, has been for quite a while, but that's a different conversation. What I'm just trying to get at is I think everybody needs to have a good log look in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth in the morning and be completely honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself about who you are and pinpoint it and say, what is it that I have to do going forward to be the best that I can? And run scenarios. I run scenarios. My ex-wife used to laugh at me. In the morning, I'd sit in the shower and she'd find me talking to myself. She said, what are you doing? I said, no, I have a meeting later today. She says, but you're talking to yourself. I said, yes, but chance favors the prepared mind. And that's my thing. I do that all the time. I still talk to myself. Just for the listeners out there, I do not answer myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you haven't gone crazy yet? No, but what I mean is, is that I think it's very impressive. If you go into a meeting with somebody, whether that meeting revolves, it, well, okay, in my case, FX or where the commodities are and there's a supply and demand out there and you come around and, and the numbers roll off your tongue because you know what it is. You've painted a scenario. You've painted a picture. You've got an idea. You've got a view. The first guy that I met in trading, I'll never forget, or he, the guy that got me into derivatives that was, he just sat me down one day and he said, you've got to have a view. 
Because once you have one, you can debate it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the right view. It won't always be the right view. Again, I'd be with Uncle Ram on his boat. But you've got to have one because you've got to debate it. So for the people listening, I would say to them, the biggest thing is don't go into denial and drop the victimhood. It's not COVID's fault. It happened, baby. It's not the president's fault. It happened. It's not Donald Trump's fault. It happened. It is what it is. We can, we can go to bed at night and cry if we feel like it. Put on a face, get out there and adapt. Adapt your business. Find ways to survive. Because if you survive this, you will flourish. Yeah. If you don't, you might never come back. Well, I'm, I'm, it, it was really nice for me to, to sit with Giancarlo today. And, and the biggest thing is that we're trying to do here is that there's a hell of a lot of conversations that are out there at the moment. Um, and what we just wanted to do is, is speak to real business people that's been in the real economy. And what I mean real economy is that you didn't, you didn't float into your position from school, varsity, into a wonderful position that the system has already created for you. You had to start a business. You had to be different. You had to attack it in a certain way. And right now, a lot of business owners are going to either start a new industry or be in a new industry. Um, they either going to have a look at their industry and, and say, what do, what do we need to do going forward and how do we adjust and adapt at the moment? And... Um, yeah, the, one of the, the, the things that I wanted to say there about the naivety is that um, there was a discovery of helium in, in the Free State recently yes, on the farm, as yes, you know. Yes. And I don't want to go into that conversation, but one thing that completely stuck out for me is that if they weren't naive to what they had, they would have never discovered it in the first place. And, and explain to what, what he said on the show. He said that they were so naive as to what they had that they did the testings, you know, the normal testings. If, if they... If they, if they knew what they had, they would have never, he says, like, like he says, he says, I would have never pursued the things like the, the way that I did it. I would have never gone to the international testing. I would have never made these calls because he says, you, if, if he, he, it's impossible to think. And like he said, when he found, when he phoned around and he made the discovery, people put the phone down because it's like you, there's no chance of this. And it was pure chance and naivety that got him onto this. Um, and I think that now as we go into new industries and people are taking on new challenges, naivety could be an exceptional strength um, in your business. You don't fear the, the common threats that are industry. You don't fear to make the phone calls because you, you don't expect the outcome because you don't know the outcome. And that naivety is what we believe is going to drive a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and et cetera in the future. And if you look at what you did, you know, if you, if I told you about how big the industry is and the fears that you could face, I don't know if you and Swigis would have been as ambitious to tackle it on, or do you think I'm off cuff there? I just think, um, I can't actually can't speculate on that, to be honest with you. All I can say is, is that I take life as it is. Uh, I was exceptionally grateful for my late business partner. He was not even my business partner. He was a brother. We had a bond. Uh, my new business partner is similar, but very much different. And uh, I'm really blessed to have him in my life and had met him. So it's something completely different. But what I would like to say to everybody out there, if I may, and I want to pass a couple of pills of wisdom on you. Um, I was taught by that bloke who I said pretty much as my mentor. And he always said to me, look, mate, the problem with the world is, is that everybody looks around and they have FOMO and they see what other people have, right? 
So what guys do is they start businesses, uh, what I want, I want an M3 BMW or a Range Rover or whatever the case may be. I also need to live in a five-bar house or whatever the number is and so on and so forth, okay? Uh, I've got to buy 20,000 rand suits and so the list goes on. Uh, then it's a holiday house in Plet and whatever the I suppose the guys the holiday house in Plet are probably loaded. But anyway, somewhere on the south coast. Let's, let's think about it that way. <laughs> Maybe the north coast, who knows? <laughs> Belito. And at the end of the day, they stretch themselves really, really far and I think, if you think of what COVID has taught you is, is that you need to be cash flush. Mm. Yeah. People don't save and you need to save back to basics, back to basics. You don't need that new car. You know, what's wrong with the jacket you have? You can't wear it for another year or two and so on and so forth. People need to go back to basics. And I think it was Robert Kiyosaki and don't quote me on this, that said true wealth is taking the current lifestyle you have stop working and how long can you maintain that Same for that, yeah. and i think there's a lot of people out there that can't hit three months let alone three years yes, yeah and if there's one thing and i've look i must say i used to look around i saw people holiday houses i saw people living the high life i'm not gonna lie to you you know you get that little that little stroke of jealousy and you <laughs> can't help it yeah but alas you turn around and i look at something like COVID, and i'm just really happy that i didn't blow dosh on all these types of things you know i mean and save people it really is back to basics face the truth no more denial no more victimhood focus back to basics save any business that can weather a storm because it's cash flush will flourish when this is over so because your competitors would have died off so a good message to to men and women out there is that we also must get out of our egos because 100%. that drives what 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 you just said there drives what when i walk into the room as am i have i got the nicest jacket is is my shoes as awesome oh, exactly. as the next when i go to the car do i open up a a 10 year old bucky or am i opening up the new nx5 exactly. it's one of the biggest things egos all aside in fact to me all of and if you even look at the last two months all the rich influences or or, or or rich or influences or the ones that look the prettiest or the one that's supposed to be always perfect they disappeared in the last two months it's an artificial lifestyle it's artificial lifestyle. it's an artificial lifestyle okay everybody wants to be the kardashians good luck Go yeah. be the kardashians i don't want to be the kardashians yeah i just want to be me i want to be happy i want to be secure and i want to be free Zankies, it's a huge honor for this podcast that That's i very pleasure you for us to have somebody like you on here, um, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly encouraged by you this morning or this afternoon. Um, Tammy, was there something you wanted to add? No, I've just been listening to all your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> um, yeah, I, just, I like the, the idea of trusting your gut. I think um, outside of COVID-19, that probably is something that people don't do your instinct will never lie to you Tammy. your mind will lie to you yeah. yeah everybody listening right now knows there has been there's been that decision that they made. also know that denial is the longest river in africa yeah yeah fa hashtag favorite saying <laughs> <laughs> one of one of one of um but yeah it's been great thank you that's a pleasure so, and thanks for having so me guys. just your gut if you make a mistake, uh, it's okay. Hey, go out there. I want everybody that's listening here, don't ever be afraid of making mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. Go out there, make a million mistakes. Try not to repeat the same mistakes, but always make new ones. Yeah, and, 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 and that's for us. Take, take some of the mistakes here. Don't make some of them. Try and get some lessons from it. 
Giancarlo, it's been a great honor to speak Thank to you. Thank you very much and for And we wish me. you and Wes and the team at CJS a wonderful 2020. Thank you very and much. And very excited for the things that's about to happen in the next year. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Thank you.